welcome to another episode of Indie Comics. I am your host, Maddie, and I've got somewhere. His name is Brandon. Hi, I'm Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> this is going great. Uh, but most importantly, uh, other than the two of us dum-dums, we do have an incredible guest today. We are super excited to introduce Mike Hawthorne. Mike, how are you doing? Good, good. How are you guys? Great. Everybody We're so excited your, to talk uh, with you. Right on. I'm excited to be on here. Uh, you are an incredible artist, very well known, pretty much all over the place and around the comic scene. And you have a really, really, really cool new book um, from from Boom and the Archaea. Can I did I pronounce that right? <laughs> I think, I, I, yeah, I tend to overemphasize. I say Archaea, but that's probably my English as a second language kicking in. So don't trust anything I say. <laughs> Just show off how you're bilingual. It's okay. <laughs> <You> speak English. <laughs> no, that's awesome. And your amazing book, Happiness Will Follow, which is oh, a graphic novel kind. memoir, which is pretty much the coolest thing I think that a creator can make um, because it's so personal. Uh, can you tell us a little about your new book? Wow. Yeah. Uh, thank you for the kind words. It's super, super nice. Uh, I will fight the urge to argue with you about not being such a great artist. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, happiness will follow. It's, um, like you said, it's a, it's, it's theoretically an autobiocomic, but it, it sort of became more about, uh, my mother, uh, her coming to the mainland from, from, uh, Puerto Rico and sort of the challenges that she had. Uh, she had a pretty unique, uh, pretty unique life, uh, which is probably putting it kindly. Um, and she faced a lot of ugly stuff. And, and so, uh, she had to raise me by herself. And I think, uh, I inadvertently wrote the book mo mostly about her, uh, and maybe trying to resolve some of the, uh, issues that she and I sort of went through. And, and, you know, I can only, I joke with my friends that I could only do this book because she passed away about 20 years ago. And I needed to make sure she was gone before I exposed anything because she'd be kicking my ass right now. If she knew I did this <laughs> book. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah it I'm was, sure she'd uh, also be very proud i honestly uh don't i don't agree i think she really me in the head i mean yeah i mean i think she would be proud that uh when she passed away i was still very very poor and i mm -hmm. think she would be proud that like i haven't starved to death um but I think she'd be pretty pissed if I wrote a book about her. That that wasn't just like all praise. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. fair enough. But yeah, that's basically the gist of it. I mean, it's it's not the type of book that's very high concept that I could say, hey, it's about you know vampires or something. Um, but the history of it is a little funny in that it was originally going to come out through uh, Vertigo, mm. and I had never pitched this book actually. Ironically. Um, it came about, I was at a signing in New York, maybe a little over 10 years ago for a, a series I was doing at Vertigo called The Unmen. And at the time, uh, the brief and wondrous life of Oscar Wilde had come out from Juno Diaz. Yeah. And it was, it was sort of setting the literary world on fire. And, uh, my editor at the time was obsessed with it and he told me the premise and I had started to read it. And I said, you know, that happened to me. It was a curse placed on me. And the dude's eyes bugged out. It's like, you have to tell me the story, uh, which I didn't realize was essentially becoming an impromptu pitch there at dinner. And at the end of the thing, uh, he said, if you ever want to publish this thing, 
give it to me, which was uh, at the time a very unique position to be in with Vertigo. Everybody was incredibly eager to uh, do a book with, with Vertigo. And so I, I never saw myself as a, a writer. Um, although I did, I did consider myself a cartoonist. So I sort of jumped at it, not wanting to ever do an autobio book. I just thought, well, this is a window or rather an opportunity to like pitch them my version of a hundred bullets or something. <laughs> so it's kind of, it, yeah, it, it, it's, I sort of fell into this thing basically. How did point. it kind of transform from there? Uh, we, we spent quite a bit of time developing it. So I was working with uh, the editor. His name is John Banking and Sarah Starlit uh, while, while working on the book there at Vertigo. And it took us about, I, I say us, it took me about a year. Can you tell I'm used to working on books with teams of people? It took me a year <laughs> to write the thing uh, and then another like nine months to draw it. And during that yeah. time is when uh, the new 52 was in the works, but nobody knew that. Um, and so there was a lot of turmoil over what was going to happen at Vertigo. And yeah. uh, they ended up dropping the this particular graphic novel line that this book was going to be a part of. Well, uh, I didn't, yeah, I didn't realize that they were shuddering or, or that nearly shuddering vertigo at the time. Um, and the experience was kind of crazy getting the rights back. It was really scary. Uh, so I just, I sat on the book for about 10 years and wow. ended, I know it was really weird. <laughs> I was just so scared of losing it, you know, at the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and it wasn't that they did anything dishonest. It was just that. You know, the nature of comics publishing is you end up, you know, sort of coming yeah. into these agreements where you kind of give over rights. And uh, these folks had the rights to the book. Um, but we, well, I was able thing, to. I was just going to say, I mean, we, we're a podcast about specifically independent comics. Yeah, and that yeah. goes for fans who just love reading them, but also for other creators who are interested in creating their own work, you know, making their own Kickstarter, whatever it is. Right, right. And I think that, you know, kind of property management and IP is Oof. so important to really look at that journey of like, that's what's so special about independent comics. But it's also, you know, to your point, kind of scary because this right. is your baby. This is your work. And especially for something like this, that's your story. Mm. Um, that's got to be really hard to navigate. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely something I probably should have been a lot more, um, cautious of and mm -hmm. i, I want to be careful not to make these guys out to be bad guys although oh, I no, yeah. of course. forever um i just i i didn't um i think because i never intended to do this book uh i just sort of agreed to whatever and um yeah i found myself very quickly in a weird position where um dc or rather vertigo and and warner brothers had the rights to this story i just sat on the damn thing i just thought I don't know what to do. I don't know how to manage this by myself. So until I feel ready, yeah, uh, I'm I'm not showing it to anybody. Um, yeah. yeah, it was it it only really ended up at boom because of um a couple of weird just uh, blips. I mean, I was working on Deadpool and uh, the writer. <laughs> Which is amazing. Jerry, well, thank you, thank you. Um, and Jerry Dugan uh, uh, was familiar with the boom folks and he put me in touch with uh, a guy named bryce carlson there and bryce just immediately understood the book uh and and it can be a little it i think at first glance the book you kind of get what it's about but it's not till you really dive in that you, you sort of get the weight of it on you 
Yeah. Um, and he seemed really to understand it and introduced me to the editorial staff, uh, Sierra Hahn and Allison Gronowitz, who were like, uh, perfectly set up for me. Like they were, they, they sort of <laughs> got that, like, I was a little cautious and scared and like it was gonna, this was gonna be a tough thing for me to decide to let go of. And, and they just, they, they, they did everything right. So it, it worked out, thankfully, but it was, it was definitely a weird, scary journey to get there. I was going to say, what is the importance to you then of that team, right? Because also just talking about the way indie comics work and finding a publisher and finding, we love Boom, they're amazing. Yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, finding a place where you feel like your work can really be highlighted. Um, because, you know, we talk to people from the Kickstarter level who are just doing it completely themselves right. to big publishers, which, um, you know, it's not DC or Marvel, but Boom's huge. Um, sure, and sure. Create incredible, incredible work. And so, what was that like? Kind of meeting a team and um, being part of that and taking the story kind of to the next level to get it finally published. Um, so, I think I'm in a and luckily uh, in a, in a unique position where you know I both get to to work with big publishers and folks will will you know at least hear me out if I have something I want to show them. Um, but I also run, uh, we've been running Kickstarters and, and a Patreon. So I sort of, I, I'm, You've I'm been on both enough. sides. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I first started in comics way back when, it was as a self-publisher. Yeah. And I did everything, including writing my own Diamond uh, uh, solicitations. And, and I live close enough to Diamond that I could drive them in. So oh, there you it go. Was, yeah, we literally <laughs> did everything. So um, I, I, I found very quickly that, I mean, I know, I know my lane. I know when, uh, I'm, I'm not, I don't want this to sound too de self-deprecating, but I'm not always <laughs> the smartest guy in the room. So no. I know, I know when, uh, I meet someone who, who is stronger at something than me. And so, uh, I'm very happy to have the help of those kind of folks. And, but I can be a little choosy because I could have kickstarted this book. Uh, you know, I'm fairly confident it would have been successful. Yeah. And, I could have done all these different, I could have shown it to other publishers and so on. And I did. I showed it to a couple who just, you know, either, either didn't think they understood it or, um, yeah. uh, and which was another weirdly unique part of this whole indie comics thing. Cause I think representation is a huge part for yeah. more independent creators. Mm -hmm. Um, but what those folks think is good and what we think is good can be <laughs> vastly different. Like yeah. I was literally told, this book uh, was essentially like too well drawn. Uh, so yeah, yeah, that's I literally, possible. I know. It's a, it's, I told my <laughs> friends, I'm like, I've come full circle where I couldn't get gigs because I wasn't good enough, and now I'm not getting gigs because I'm too good. I guess it's the weirdest damn thing. So you're overqualified um, for the yeah, book. yeah. So when I when I got to meet these, like especially working with Sierra and Allison, like um, they they were sort of the perfect combination of like both smarter than me, but also respectful of the stuff I was trying to do. And mm -hmm. if something needed to be added, you know, they, they pushed me to add another uh, 20 pages of content. So that last mm -hmm. three chapters is all from boom sort of put. And honestly, at first I was a little resistant uh, hearing them out. I realized that like it, it really needed to be uh, the last 10 years needed to be addressed. Yeah. Uh, so that original ending, uh, it's at like one page 128 or something. 
And then uh, the next 20 pages are me just sort of reconciling all the stuff that's happened since. And that all came from the boom folks. And I think you get a feeling pretty quickly when you're working with these folks and getting notes and uh, that like they get it and, and they're insightful in a way that perhaps I'm not uh, seeing myself. And I need that. I, I'm not, I'm not a micromanager. I'd like to, to be able to hand stuff off to, to folks smarter than me and trust that it'll be handled, you know? So. Well, and that's part this of just, you know, being on a team then too, yeah. and knowing that you're, you know, kind of safe with, with a certain group where they can Absolutely. kind of look at, mm-hmm. look at the bigger picture and say, you know, Hey, from an outside perspective, like this is something that we feel would add to it and great for you. I mean, I think that ending is really important and it's great to, to be able to have that kind of closure and follow up, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Especially Thank you. Like you were saying, you kind of fell into the writing position and weren't necessarily looking for it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had done. Uh, like non-traditional comics writing in terms of like the cartooning work I've always done. So I was always yeah. doing work for hire books and then an, uh, an independent book on the side. My entire career has been like that. It's just that no one ever sees the independent stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> so no, everybody just associates me with like the Marvel or DC or Vertigo or whatever mm-hmm. uh, work. Um, but I'd always done stuff. And it tended to be sort of uh, written in like a storyboard form. Mm-hmm. Uh, this book was probably the first where I really, really sat down and wrote sort of a traditional script and was able to go over it with, with you know, honest-to-goodness editors as opposed to, you know, when you're doing independent projects, you have to just hope your friends will have a minute to read it and make sure you didn't spell <laughs> anything wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think, I think uh, you know, the one thing I would, uh, if, if I can be, old enough to advise anyone but yeah. uh i think with any even within the creators i think you're wise to have uh to sort of fight that instinct to want to do everything yourself and have a, a at least some friends that you could hit up and get editorial help or or something just to have a fresh set of eyes uh helping you along the way because i think it just makes the the work better i know when i was you know just self-publishing and doing everything on my own uh, I thought I had all the answers and, <laughs> uh, you know, you find out pretty quick you don't. And I think the work, the work is very pure and good, but it, you know, it's all, it's, it's rife with stupid mistakes that had I just had some folks I trusted to look at it, uh, maybe we could have avoided, you know? Well, that's part of kind of growing, um, as a creator too, right? And relying yeah. on others and, and taking feedback and responding to it. And it's, Absolutely. it's not easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, the feedback thing is a big one for me, I think, cause, uh, I, I'm sort of obsessively, uh, you know, I, I practice all the time, even in addition to regular comics and, you know, figure drawing and, and just lots and lots of practice. And, and I think the, it's sort of this art school mentality where the education is always based off of critique. And without critique, you don't have an art school. So, um, I never understood when people were super defensive about their work because, you know, like studying painting, that's all we did. We were either painting or talking about paintings. <laughs> um, so, so to me, it's like, it seems like a no brainer. Like, of course you hit people up for, for crits just to try to get better. Yeah. And so when you were in art school and doing this critique and all that, were you planning on going into the comic field or? Yeah. Comics? Yeah, I was absolutely planning. In fact, I thought, uh, I had this like, fantasy that i go to art school and i get 
super amazing. And then I'd, I'd, I'd get into comics and, uh, do these like lush painted comics. And then this <laughs> dude, Alex Ross came along and I was like, oops. <laughs> so I ended up going the other direction and going very, very, very cartoony, drawing really, really fast, uh, like, and, and very manga inspired before it was really, really big. Mm-hmm. Um, my first book, uh, that I self published, I did all the sound effects in Japanese, for instance, just like, yeah. blatantly stealing awesome. just from whatever looked cool because <laughs> I had to sort of yeah, I, I had to sort of come up with a plan on the fly because I had this whole thing of going you know while I was in art school on the weekends I would do sample pages to send out to people which never led anywhere but um, it sort of forced me to be producing nonstop, and I had this very specific plan that got derailed because I didn't want this perception of like uh, trying to copy what another artist was doing. Uh, mm. if that makes sense, like in terms of, I, I thought, well, that's his lane now. I need to, you know, find it my own. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always had that plan to jump into comics. In fact, like, uh, one of the things my kids make fun of me about is like, I turned down two opportunities to get my master's for free. Uh, oh one my gosh. Was I know I'm an idiot. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> well, I mean, a, you're doing pretty well for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you needed it, but I could have done this with a master's degree. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> anyway, yeah, you're right though. I, I can't complain. But the one was to, um, I think it was U Arts was going to start a master's program, and uh, the painting department head threw my name in the hat to basically like get my master's if I taught drawing, and mm. um, and there was another opportunity at another school, and I just. I just said, no, I'm going to go make comics, which was at the time probably not a wise decision, although it worked out long term. I can't complain too much. Luckily, you're extremely talented. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's awesome. So, I mean, this story is so deeply personal and emotional, and you go through so much within its pages. What was it like kind of reliving a lot of that and and writing this story? You know, first of all, writing for the first time, really um in in a big comic like this and yeah. then telling the story of your mom which is so beautiful and really difficult and really intense yeah, yeah what was yeah. that experience like for you uh so it, it was it was like i don't know um what's what's something you really hate doing <laughs> and and make yourself do it eight hours a day to ten hours a day for <laughs> for a year and nine months um yeah, it sucked. I really, I, I wish I had a very, uh, poetic, uh, uh, answer for this thing, but it was just unpleasant. I really, um, I think I was mentally unprepared because I had never intended to do this kind of book. I think, yeah. cause I think what, what most folks ask me is like, oh, it must have been very cathartic. Uh, I can't say that word. What's the cathartic? I got gotcha. Cathartic. Thank you. <laughs> Um, you'll find that I can't see a lot of words. Actually. That's fine. <laughs> hey, th- this is a funny tangent. When we moved to Pennsylvania, I spoke English and I was moving to Pennsylvania from New York. It's in the, in, in one of the chapters of the book. I sort of address it. The yeah. thing I skip over in the book is that, uh, the school, my mother put me in a Catholic school and they put me in ESL class. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> so yeah, I was the only kid speaking english in the esl class because my accent was so terrible (laughs) i had this yeah i had this like funny combination of a new york accent and my mother only spoke spanish at home so it was just i'm sure it sounded like 
and I, even now I sound a little like Rocky, like I'm got marbles in my mouth or something, so I can't say certain words. But yes, everybody assumes it's cathartic. Um, there you go, you got it. I got it. <laughs> um, it was a really difficult thing to get through, and uh, it's funny. I, I I kept thinking of a particular professor I had that uh, in art mm-hmm. school that I didn't take seriously at the time. And he was pushing me to think about uh, the work beyond just the way it looked. And he talked about, uh, I remember he showed the documentary about uh, Coppola's making uh, Apocalypse Now and mm. how difficult it was for him. And he almost killed himself and all this crazy stuff. And I remember thinking, this is stupid. I, I don't, uh, I'm not that kind of artist. I don't want to, I don't want to suffer to make work. Yeah. Um, and I thought of him often with this book because I just thought like, I'm, why am I doing this to myself? I, I hate, uh, <laughs> writing this thing. I hate drawing it. Um, it, it definitely brought up some, some stuff that I probably was, uh, hiding. Yeah. And I think ultimately, I, I, I feel like I have a weird, um, like pre and post this book, uh, in terms of how I approach stuff. You're um, like, can I just draw yeah. Deadpool for another 10 minutes? <laughs> yeah, anyway, right? Like, please. <laughs> no, I mean, it's so easy to, uh, yeah. I, I have not been brave in my career, uh, hmm. in terms of, uh, the type of material and letting people in. And it's something I wasn't like, really consciously doing and and a friend of mine another uh cartoonist named jamar nicholas has been you know like he he actually pushed me to start a patreon because he's like dude um you do all this stuff besides your regular comics work but you don't let anybody in on it yeah mm. um, you, you don't go to conventions this you know this this good friend of mine jamar was was sort of explaining like i i really haven't been very open both with my self yeah. and my work uh the work is very focused on craft and storytelling and all the things I love, but uh, was missing the personal that sort of opening of like your, 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 your personality to the reader. Yeah. Um, Vulnerability. And yeah. And so I just thought if I'm going to do it with this book, I'll do it all the way. And, there's a lot of things I did not include because I purposely told myself I wasn't going to do a tell-all. Mm. And there's a lot of ugly stuff that we could have put into the book, but it wouldn't it wouldn't have uh, it wouldn't have bettered the story. It would have just made it more uh, I don't know gratuitous. And I think the the mix of letting everybody in, but also feeling like I have to be ultra cautious to like uh, be careful what. I'm telling folks so I don't, you know, tarnish anyone's memory or, or yeah. embarrass anyone. Uh-huh. So it, this was a, it was to get back to your question. It was just a very unpleasant book to do. And I was very <laughs> grateful to get back to stuff like Deadpool. <laughs> How does it feel now that it's published? I mean, is there some relief or is it just kind of like, okay, I can move on from this? <sighs> That's a tough question. I, I don't know yet. I, I think it's, yeah. um, I was dreading Fresh. release day to be frank. Like, really? Yeah. Oh my God. I was, I was sort of counting down and I, I, I admitted to my wife and, and actually to Jamar who I just, I admitted that I almost wished I hadn't sold the book. 
Oh. Yeah, like like I wish I could bring it. I could I could pull it back out of the. Uh, I remember you know the whole uh, lawsuit with Trump and and his niece Mary was happening. And I was like, I wonder if I could sue myself <laughs> to like stop the release <laughs> of the right. book. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was it was a difficult thing to let out, mm-hmm. and I think it's a little bit of a relief to have it out there. Actually, one of the really big reliefs uh, was when my sister read it and said mm-hmm. she liked it. Uh, that was a big deal, I think, because she's sort of the last person in, in my, in, I mean, I have, I have family members, but no one that we've ever really been, uh, closely in touch with. So she's, she was, she served as sort of the, uh, consultant for the book yeah. unofficially, like, because we're about 15 years apart. She's 15 years older than me. Uh, we have different fathers. So she got to see a lot of the stuff that I only ever heard about the story. So. Uh, her liking the book was a huge relief for me. I, I was really grateful that she she enjoyed it. So that that helped. Um, I still don't. I'd be lying if I said I was like ready uh, for the world at large to be reading this book. But that probably means that it's it's maybe an important book to put out. You know, there's that well, exactly. expression that yeah, there's that expression David Paul we used to use about. You should feel like you're in the deep end of the pool and your feet are just barely touching. Um, you know what I mean? If, I don't know if that makes any sense, but I sort of no, feel absolutely. like that with this book, like all the time. Like any one one goofy kid does a belly flop, and I'm going to drown. <laughs> so, with you being so nervous about it coming out and people being able to read it and get take get their own takes stuff on it, what would be the one thing you want them to get out of it when they do read it? Um. You know, I try, I try really hard, even with the, my more mainstream stuff, I try really hard not to, uh, dictate to the reader what they should or shouldn't take away from it. Um, I think, I mean, if anything, if, if I had to draw a line and I do it in the book itself, in the last chapter, um, which is all photographs, I sort of decided to do, um, you know how in, in, in movies when they, it's, it's some biographical movie and then they'll show photos of the actual people at the end. Yeah. I love that and stuff. I'm not Yeah. Lie. Yeah. <laughs> it's it like the best part. It, exactly. It always made it kind of real to me. Um, so that's kind of what I was hoping with that last chapter is to show the actual pictures of her, uh, you know, as happy so as sense. I could find her. And, yeah. And so that she would, folks would get, um, that this isn't, Although this is a, a comic book, and I'm right now primarily known as a superhero artist, uh, this isn't like this isn't this book's Joker. She's not just mm-hmm. a, a, a two dimensional villain. Yeah, so some real life behind it. Yeah, basically. So that's about the only thing I would say. You know, make sure you pay attention for. But that would be with any of the characters in a book, I suppose. But especially with her, because I think there's a a propensity to think of like, oh, well, she beat you. She's was, you know, she did all these things. She must be the bad guy. And uh, that's not the case. Yeah, that's understandable. I kind of have the same relationship with my father. Where it's yeah. Like, he did some bad things, but he, in the grand scheme of everything, he wasn't a bad guy. And if I was to tell his story, most people would think that. Right. But it'd be nice for them to not just think of him as the bad guy in my story. But as, right as a fa- growing and learning factor for me and for everyone around me. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's, you want to do that with any story you're telling. I think it's just, uh, you have that much more 
responsibility when it's real people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the hardest things too, is like, as you grow older, understanding that your parents were humans. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like we all grow up with this idea of like, Oh, well mom said, or, you know, dad says this. Yeah. And, and at the yeah. end of the day, like understanding they were doing their best or they were coping mm-hmm. with whatever and, you know, not to excuse any kind of behavior, but also to just understand on a greater level as we age and even maybe become parents, like seeing how hard that can be. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if if only to try to give them a fair assessment of like what, what they were going through. You know, my sister was in uh, in foster care for the first, I believe, four or five years of her life. So when my mother was finally old enough, to, they put her in a convent. She was old enough to leave legally. Um, she went looking for her and, and, you know, she didn't recognize her. And it's just, you know, there's a lot of, I can't imagine, you know, being 15, 16 years old, you know, getting pregnant, having to ch- lose your child and, and just all the stuff that she was faced. And that's not even to touch on the history back in Puerto Rico and, uh, you know, her, her, the, the racism that she faced and yeah. uh, all this stuff that, you know, I can sort of take for granted because we're so far removed from it. Um, but she had it pretty, pretty rough. And there's, you know, a lot of stuff that's not even in the book that, that uh, is heartbreaking that I can't imagine. She was a really small woman, but she was incredibly fierce, but I mean, she was under five feet tall, less than a hundred pounds when she passed away. She'd always been uh-huh. small. So I can't imagine, you know, going through the world, uh, you know, with an accent, a woman of color, tiny, and the world sort of deciding, well, we can kick this this person and she can't do anything about it. So, you know, it, it's I'm not making I I've realized that it very much sounds like I'm making excuses. I just think uh, that abusive the abusive part of her personality came from both like a tremendous amount of rage. And, uh, the inability to think of any other way that conflicts are resolved or discipline is, is upheld, right? Like she, what can, what can she do with a boy other than like, you know, break him so that he doesn't run off and do something stupid like all the other boys in the neighborhood? Yeah. Well, and that's the sad thing is often abuse comes from abuse, right? So that's what you oh, learn. Yeah, absolutely. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, what she went through was a hell of a lot harder than anything I, I went through with her. Um, it, it's, you know, like one of the things that I don't, I don't get too much into with the book, but she refused, uh, to take my father for child support, mm-hmm. uh, cause she sort of had this fantasy that like they would eventually get back together, even though he had a wife and other children. Um, so she never got a nickel of help from him. I mean, it was always literally just her. Mm. Uh, there was never a sense, there was never any support. And then she was sort of estranged from her family, partly due to how she was, but also because of the history. Um, so she was really a hundred percent on her own. And this was a hell of a, a tough thing to do, you know, especially being as poor as she was. Uh, so I, I want to be careful that it's not, I, I want to, I have to walk this tightrope of yeah. not excusing her behavior, but also trying to explain that. Why she, yeah, basically. Yeah. You know, what would you say, you know, as you kind of complete this part of the journey and this book is now published and you've gone through, um, you know, I, I agree with you completely that, that you sh- shouldn't yeah. have to suffer for art. 
But alternatively, when you do push yeah. yourself, when you are in the deep end, that is, you know, quite possibly people's best art, right? Because it's the most personal and it's the most difficult and challenging, but it means you're growing. Um, and, you know, growth is often very yeah, hard. Yeah. But what do you feel like you learned about yourself in this process? Or how do you feel like you grew from, you know, happiness will follow? Um, I think for sure, the, the, the biggest takeaway from this thing is um, the the necessity to get back to sort of the roots of why I got into comics in the first place. I, I had never mm. really intended to to just be a, a artist for hire kind of guy. I had always wanted to be a cartoonist. And uh, and by cartoonist, I mean a guy that writes and draws the stories. So yeah. um, I, I realize now that like, I've always, you know, flirted with that. I do a big book for someone and then do my own side thing. Um, I realize now that probably I should have been pushing harder on the cartooning aspect of, of that sort of artistic itch that you always have that you want to, you know, go off on. And so, yeah. um, I think I, I'm definitely, I mean, I'm always, planning little side projects and like i said with the kickstarters we've been able to do you know new stuff but primarily it's been like art books and, yeah. and some educational mm -hmm. stuff i think that probably it's time to um push the envelope again and uh you know with with that first book that i published uh self-published in the beginning of my career was uh hysteria was mm -hmm. like partly a um it was this naivete that like i i wish i could get back i i, I did this book set on this fictional <laughs> island uh based on puerto rico it's sort of like you know the way gotham is new york yeah uh, this island was was a, a, a sort of a, a made-up version of puerto rico and it was a cyberpunk thing but like in the tropics which wasn't something i'd seen before and um all the characters were latino but one and it was this uh, one uh, genetically engineered sort of Captain America guy who just stuck out like a sore thumb, <laughs> and I thought I thought the whole world would be into this thing, right? Like the main character was this um, uh, Latina detective, and I just thought, who wouldn't want to read a comic book about a really smart Latin woman who's like solving crimes in a cyberpunk you know, <laughs> tropical island? And it turns out like. Hardly anybody wanted to be. Oh no! <laughs> but I think um, when I when I showed this stuff to my kids and they were like, "This is amazing. Why don't you do more of this?" And I'm like, "Now, if I did it, well, that's the thing is, you just yeah. weren't as well known at the time, mm -hmm. and that's the yeah. struggle I think a lot of indie comics writers have. You know, they have to go to cons, they have to promote, yeah, and kind of figure everyone. out what that looks like." I think also I didn't do myself any favors with the content. People just did not work. They just didn't understand how to take it in, I think. Um, and, and it was a different market back then, obviously. But I think now, you know, like it, it all took place after a second world war, which I, I can remember mm. my very first mm -hmm. review. The guy went on and on about how much of a moron I was because no one would, would, believe that there was another civil war in the United States. Oh my gosh. Jokes oh, wow. on him 20 years later. <laughs> right. Too real now. I know. So Well maybe um, it's time for a revival. Anyway, yeah. So I think that's sort of to get back to your point, your question is that uh it's time to sort of be thinking in those terms again. And I don't know that's even necessarily just a comic. Um yeah. you know I'm planning some things with some friends that that I might bring back hysteria in a way that 
folks may not be expecting. I don't want to say too much about it, but I think it could be fun. Um, I have a sort of pseudo sequel for Happiness Will Follows, uh, oh. in mind. Yeah, that sort of grew out of the book itself. I mean, I sort of hint at, uh, discovering art sort of giving me some, some sanity. Yeah. Uh, and so I think I'm going to do a book about, um, I'd like to call it up all night about literally just one <laughs> night, uh, of, of, like where the story would take place right from when I'm leaving school to when I'm, to when I'm getting up for school the next morning, mm. uh, having spent the whole night like out writing graffiti and using that one night as sort of, uh, that discovery in, in one little night of, of hijinks in there. So, uh, and it's kind of expanding on a scene that's in the book. There's a scene where like I'm writing graffiti and there's a cop driving past. It's one panel in the book. Yeah. Um, but so we'll be seeing a, you back here in like a yep. year for that. Theoretically. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Hopefully. Hopefully. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, well, let's, let's hope it's awesome. It could suck. Yeah. I'm in. Okay, me cool. too. Right on. You've got two two built-in readers right now. Sold two books already. Awesome. <laughs> yep. I mean, Thank you, guys. You so you've had um, work in both the big major brands as well as independent comics. What yeah. about the indie space? Uh, keeps drawing you back that you love so much. Uh, a couple things. Number one is that, and maybe I'm I'm naive but i think it's better than than it's ever been in terms of uh i would agree yeah i think just creative freedom uh outlets uh i just think it's a thing that that uh i I can't help but get excited every time i'm seeing cool stuff that other people are doing whether it's like telling telling a story entirely on on instagram Mm -hmm. or uh having like a substack newsletter uh i signed up for it immediately because i'm like i could do it or newsletter comic where i just sent you a comic every day or mm-hmm. obviously patreon kickstarter all this stuff is like yeah. the technology is is at the point now where um we could always do cool stuff but now you can show it to a lot of people very quickly without uh anyone in the middle and that that to me is a huge draw so um i don't know that i could you know, ditch everything and only do indie comics uh, mm. for the foreseeable future, especially being exclusive to Marvel. Um, <laughs> and I and I I genuinely love doing that stuff. Or I wouldn't I wouldn't do it. Frankly, I would just go. Uh, you know, I've turned on jobs in animation and, and storyboards and for film and video games uh, to continue doing that stuff. So I'm not downplaying it. I just think that the indie the the prospects are like wide open, which is a thing mm. that just excites the hell out of me. Um, you know, I, I, one of the projects I'd like to do if, uh, I could find a couple of months to string together is like an installation piece with comics. Mm. Um, so you had to actually walk around a city to read the whole thing. So just uh, that, that just is exciting to me, you know? Well, I love that you're innovating, kind of looking at new ways to share art and to share comics because to your point i think it's such an open market right now like anybody can produce content which is both really exciting and exhilarating but also then how do you cut through the noise and how do you get noticed and how do you Mm -hmm. get picked up um and so i think that's 
you know, it's, it's both a really wonderful thing. And then I know a really challenging thing for a lot of creators, but I think at the end of the day, if you're passionate and if you have a real, you know, an important story to tell, um, that's, it's going to come through and it's, it's going to be heard. And I think that it's such a wonderful space for those really unique stories like happiness will follow, you know, that people can identify with, that people can see themselves in or see a friend in or family member and, and grow and maybe learn something that they didn't know and, and learn about someone else's experience that is really unique. You know, we see a lot of, you know, things in the LGBTQIA plus. Yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely. So, or from different backgrounds or races. And I think, you know, you just aren't going to get that with a superhero comic or something that needs to appeal to everybody. Um, right. And it's so authentic and it's so vulnerable. And I really credit you for pushing yourself as difficult as this process may have been for you. <laughs> and as long as it may have gone on for you, um, it's an incredible, incredible, you know, graphic novel. And I think the world is better for having it. Well, thank you. That's super. Oh, my God. I don't know how to respond. Thank you. That's super <laughs> kind of you. You're so absolutely That's welcome. Thank you for this amazing book. And thank you for spending the time with us and sitting down and, and really talking about it. Because, you know, I, I think you also bring this great perspective of understanding that it's not like you just sit down and something like this comes out, right? It's, it's right. difficult. Well, and thank you. I mean, this is, I appreciate you guys having me. This has been it's funny because I think I'm sort of finding myself thinking out parts of the book that perhaps I haven't because I've been so close to it. So yeah, uh, I appreciate the discussion. You guys are great. Thank you. Love the show. I, I was just listening to a previous episode, I think, uh, with was it Xander Cannon or? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate yeah. you. We appreciate your incredible work. And thank you, amazing listeners. You can check out our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and all podcast apps. You can also check out our website, thegrandgeekgathering.com, for our articles, videos, and more. Please also remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Please check out Happiness Will Follow. Let us know how much you loved it. Let us know how worth it it was that we spent the time to make this for us and to share it. Um, Please, please, please rate, review, subscribe. Keep in touch. You can st- stay updated on our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we stream on Twitch, and we do Let's Play. Uh, the intro is provided by Cranston, and you can buy Happiness Will Follow from Boom. It's shop.boom-studios.com. You can also get it from your local comic book shop. Please, please, please order from your local comic book shops. They need you, especially right now. They'll deliver for you. You can go pick it up. There's lots of options. Um, let them know so they can order it for you. Um, and you can also get it on Amazon. You you can get this thing anywhere, so you have no excuse. Happiness will follow. So come and join the gathering. Have a great week, and GGG. Thank you, Brandon. Grand Geek Gathering.